I say work hard is just, you know, putting all your time into just trying to accomplish what you can and like, you know, success or fail or accomplish or not accomplish, at least you could say you spent a lot of your time trying to get it, the job done. Mm. Um, that's working hard to me. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is gonna transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day, and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com. That's HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young, and I have a great guest here to join me, Mr. Safir Monroe. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for having me on your show, your podcast. I'm sorry. You know. Appreciate it. I feel good. It's beautiful in here. Look, you are already, <laughs> you made yourself so comfortable. It's cool. Well, you are the movie guy. We'll get into that. But <laughs> slowly, slowly but surely. Slowly. Tom Cruise, James Bond. Like, seriously, nah, you got the whole stilo. And um, so you and I met years ago before we both quit our nine to, well, before we both quit our, the nine to five that we were at together. Mm -hmm. And when I met you, your mindset was always like destined to be greater than whatever it was that we were in the moment. And for me, I don't know if you know this, but like it was one of those things that just kept reminding me that, you know, there is more out there. I was like, you know, these little random, you know, exchanges at the picnic table really just kind of gave me a little fuel to my fire. So one, I want to say thank you for that. No problem. No problem. You know, it was, it was great talking to you. You know, sometimes it's cold in the office. So, you know. <laughs> We would both just be walking around outside to get some heat, you know, it was a perfect time sitting at the picnic table reflecting on life. That's a fact. You know? That's a fact. Um, so without further ado, because before we get too far into it, who are you and how, how, how do we introduce you? Oh, well, I say, you know, how's everybody doing? My name is uh, Safir Monroe, I'm CEO of Underlay, uh, which is a, a proprietary uh, startup that has, that has proprietary technology uh, that helps airlines, airports and travel companies. Um, identify the cause of flight delays by uh, analyzing radio transmissions using machine learning. Nice. So that's my that's my uh, typical intro for me uh, and the company of Underlay. So we have we have a lot of different beta customers in the airline industry, mm -hmm. uh, and you know in travel had contracts for airports. Um, we're in we were in the Georgia Tech uh, Accelerator program as well. Just graduated from that, so hopefully we will have some great news upcoming. Uh, the next couple months. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you. Good stuff you know? in the ether, absolutely. Yeah, let's put it out, let's put it out there. Now you introduce yourself as a, a company that helps helps understand why flights are delayed, right? Yeah. So how did you identify that this was even a, a solution or a problem that you wanted to provide a solution to? Definitely. So I mean, I mean, I just saw like, you know like with me just uh, working in the industry. You know, I worked uh, a lot in the airport, um, even. Uh, like nights and weekends uh, after my, in my full-time job. You know, just working with the airport and the hackathons, I understood, I've talked to too many aviation experts, I understood the industry. And just from my background, just from being uh, surrounded by so many people, I understood like, you know, that was a huge problem. So um, maybe about a year and a half, oh, I've been working, doing a lot of different things, different contracts, just the aviation industry, but 
uh, I really figured out that there was so much data that was, you know, around the industry, but it wasn't, you know, used um, and aggregated in a way that I felt like uh, could be most efficient. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, just the, the drive in general of the world and, you know, every industry is, you know, cr creating uh, massive amounts of data and then utilizing it uh, to make data-driven decisions. So I feel like that's the future of the world, mm -hmm. and I wanted to be a part of that future, but focus on the aviation industry just because I had so much knowledge behind it. Mm, you yeah. have so much knowledge behind it. and But one of the, the unique things about the airline industry is people who've been in the airline industry for like 20 plus years, they're like geeks about it. I remember being in like meetings and people just like goof off for 15 minutes talking about, oh yeah, the wingspan and the engine, and I'm like, yo, I'm not passionate about this. So like. You had a lot of knowledge in the airline industry, but what were you actually like passionate about? Definitely. So, I mean, I think in, in terms of it, the industry, like I'm really passionate about technology in general, mm. uh, just about, you know, what's going on. Like, you know, my, my degree is in mechanical engineering uh, and I worked as software engineer at Delta, software engineer at NCR. Uh, and I did, I developed mobile apps for, you know, startups across the country as well as, you know, maybe some in Canada. And I believe some in Europe, but they were based in Europe as well. So, you know, it's really just about helping different tech uh, companies with their technology. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of the aviation industry, I've read different uh, books like air traffic control manual manuals, um, uh, aviation operation books. You know, there's a really great one. I believe is uh, uh, it's by Cheng Lung Wu, and it, it kind of describes a lot of different uh, delay management problems mm. and uh, airline operations. And after reading that book. I kind of had a understanding of everything that was going on, and then the understanding of uh, you know why flights get delayed, how they get delayed, um, you know what can make them better, what can optimize them, and that book kind of kind of showed me like okay, like this is the the future of the industry, mm. like within like data processing and how like to make it better and how like different things are modeled because it it just all of those uh, aviation like, articles and books they model things like in a mathematic way mm -hmm. that kind of just understood more. So just from that, I said, you know, I think this is a problem that I could solve. Yeah. And because your passion is technology, you decided to solve a, a well-known issue in the in the airline industry through what you're actually passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because I, I mean, I just chose the industry just because my exposure. Right. It's, it's, I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people like, uh, you know, like a lot of people choose you know, to solve problems they're exposed to, you know, for a lot of companies that they, they deal with, you know, so like, uh, you know, if a lot of people that, you know, intern at game companies start their own game companies or, you know, intern IT companies start their own IT companies. So since I just started uh, my professional working career at an airline, I figured that, you know, I probably should stay in the industry just because I know so much about it. So I was like, so exposed to it. But as long as, it's, you know, it's always in technology and the, and the advanced parts of technology, then I'm comfortable with it. Okay, as long as it's in technology, you're comfortable with it. Now, yeah. back when I met you, and the funny thing is, it's so hazy now, but I feel like we made like such a connection and maybe with like one or two, maybe three interactions. Do you remember it that way? I, 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 so, I, I think we had like three like really long conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, let's say during lunch period, so we won't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> get in trouble. You were, <laughs> no, you were literally, saying. it was you literally, and the thing is, back then, sitting in those, like, having those conversations with you, if I could have predicted both of our lives, I mean, like, you are a startup. 
um, a CEO of a startup, but I would just have assumed that you would have been full time entrepreneur way like way before I even have thought about it, right? No. Because even though it was on our lunch break, you was just more so like f the system. It felt like you were just like nah, f the system. Like I'm, you're not cocky, but you also are very real about like your contribution to this world. Like how what, what value you add? Like yeah. I just want to. I'm 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 realistic. Like you know, of course, like I you know, all all jobs are like a lot of jobs are necessary, you know. But I just I just knew that you know you know working at different jobs here and there, and I still you know of course still have a job. But it's like you know, do I want to climb up the ladder and be the CEO that way, mm-hmm. or do I want to say, hey, you know, let me do my own thing. Let's see how much money you know I can make from my own thing, mm-hmm. and then you know get to a point where I'm the CEO another way, right? So the people have their different ways. I just think that that, that was a faster path. And, you know, a lot of companies that people have relationships, sometimes they're first companies, first adopters, and huge investors, mm-hmm. right? Especially a lot of Fortune 500 companies there in Atlanta. Uh, you know, I met uh, this one uh, guy that's over his company. I forgot the name of it, but, you know, has, like, a lot of contracts, and he worked as a consultant, mm-hmm. you know, for 10-plus years, and a lot of companies that he worked with, um, you know, uh, eventually he built relationships with them and then got them uh, landed their first contract with those companies. So, you know, it's just really about different ways to do it in life, you know. And I'm not to down anybody that wants to climb that ladder. Uh, but, I mean, of course, like, you know, w- you, know you know, us being black, one, mm-hmm. two, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's just not portrayed as achievable, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, just to be honest, like, you know, we know that a lot of those corporate ladders it's a lot, it's not only a lot of like games you have to play, mm-hmm. but you know, you have to look a certain way, mm-hmm. dress a certain way, act a certain way, and I'm, I'm gonna be me. Always. <laughs> I'm gonna be myself. <laughs> gonna and, be I, and, they, and, they, and of course, like it's not, you know, publicizes that, but now you have social media and it's shown that, you know, that you can't really get to certain places while being a certain way or, you know, fitting into that system, which is unfortunate, right? Because not a lot of it is, due to you know how hard somebody works or what they do but you know you have to play that game and some people want to play it you know i'm you know of course friendly nice but you know if you're not like willing to go that extra mile to you know uh, do a lot of those things or play a lot of those games then it's going to be tough for you yeah i agree so you've already become a CEO of your own tech firm and you're still employed. So is this the like happy balance for you or is like full-time entrepreneurship ever a thing? Well, you know, of course, like, of course, like, you know, uh, I have investors now uh, from my company, right? And I also have partners. So, you know, we definitely, you know, it's, 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 it's a known thing. So you get a certain amount of investment, you have to be full-time. Okay. Right, but you know, I love, love companies I'm working for now. Uh, but of course, like, you know, if you're a millionaire, you know, in stock or, you know, if you're, you know, a certain point in a company, like, you know, you, you can't work, mm. you know, 40 hours a week. However, you know, I'll still I'll, I'll always be connected uh, to my peers, you know, in one way of fashion, in one way of fashion form. I was thinking, have you ever read um, Go-Givers? I don't know. So Go-Giver is a pretty dope book. Long story short, there's a character in the book where... He makes a ton of money, and the younger, um, I would say, partner is like, "Why do you still work here?" Like he's he like, "I just love what I do." So like, not to knock your company or anything, but based on what you do, do you love it enough to like do it in any form while you're still running your business? 
Uh, so, I mean, well, in terms of the business, like, let's say, you know, you have a certain, once I have a certain amount of uh, clients, right, I have to, I would have to work full time in mm-hmm. it. However, I do, you know, love the people that I work with right now. Um, you know, and then like, you know, and then, you know, social gatherings, social events. Um, it's a really great thing. Um, and in terms of technology, like, you know, I'm, I'm a tech guy, period, and this futuristic so it's cool. Like, I like it a lot. But I'm, I'm, only, I'm in love with the technology for my company, right? Because that's like, you know, what I'm building now, it's like, you know, five or ten years, like, it could be much bigger than what it is right now. So there's, there's, a, there's a better path for it. Yeah. But I wouldn't, yeah, I, I'd say I'm in love with the people and the culture. Yeah, coming to, coming to work with right now. Mm. It's refreshing to hear. It's it's a re- refreshing to hear your perspective because um, you know I'm very much gung ho about full time entrepreneurship and just leaping out and trusting yourself and, and counting on yourself. But I do respect the strategic play. That's why I talk about exit strategies because there's a strategy behind you doing what you're doing. And if it's not killing you, if it's not stressing you out, then why change it? So I appreciate your your perspective from that regard. And if you love the people. That just makes it way easier for it's you to be like, instead of being like, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's completely, it's completely different. It's different, different environment. And then like, yeah, it's a completely different environment. But you know, hey, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I feel In it. In certain other, other situations, you gotta do what you gotta do, but. I feel it. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you, you, you have now created the option for you to do whatever you want to do. So I remember when we, um, when we met, we dove, we dove into your childhood really, really like fast. Like I think I, I feel like I told you, I feel like your, your parents kind of mentored me through you. Uh, so if we go back to your childhood, you know, what is your degree in? Mechanical engineering. So I graduated from Howard. You graduated from Howard, HBCU. Yeah, HBCU, yeah. Dang. You know, uh, top top university in the world in my eyes. Uh, great place, I and mean, I learned a lot. I learned programming, learned mm. engineering, I learned you know calculus. I learned how to think more efficiently. You know, it's this is really really great school. Did you always know you wanted to be a, a mechanical engineer? No, I mean in high school. My, uh, I think there was a college prep school, so there's like. I you know, choose a major and I was Google like what makes the most money. <laughs> What's the broadest mm. of it? Mechanical engineer popped up and I was like, well, that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you didn't have any like interest in it. You just, you just literally. I mean, it was like science engineering. Okay. Right? Like what's, what's hard, what's science, you know? Mm-hmm. My mom was a science teacher, mm-hmm. you know? And then like it's, it's always, it's a lot of, you know, great science uh, programs in Jersey, where I'm from, Trent, and Baltimore. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's time for the money yet, you know, they got all the free food. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the way. Free food? What is, I well, all the science programs. I'm not a science person. <laughs> all the science, you know, all the programs, I'm like, they're like, hey, look, free food, here's free, you know, everything, free events. And they was like, look, just talk about this, talk about that. So, I just always went to the gravitated, to the events where they was always talking about, you know, science stuff, so. Mm. And that's where the money is, you know, so I was like. Phew. It just so happens to be where the money is, and it just so happens to be where your passion is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's combined, you know, because, I mean, that's not everybody's passion, so. Mm-hmm. And you never, you shouldn't really, I don't think you should do something that you're not passionate about, because it's going to be difficult, you know. That's a word, like, I, you, know, you don't think anybody should be able to do something that they're not passionate about, like, people do it all the time. Yeah. You know, like, we live in a world where 90% of the population are doing things that they're not passionate about. Yeah, and it, and it's because it's, it's, it's like, I mean, most people can't find out what their passion is. So, like, like I feel like a lot of people, they complain, like, you know, I don't like this. Well, what do you like? And they say, I don't know. And that's from all ages. That's from people in high school and people that's, 
like in the middle of their life, you know, forties and fifties, like they don't know, a lot of people don't know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But the people spend, you know, their forty hours a week, you know, doing what makes gets some money. But you know, they don't make sure they take the time out to focus on themselves and say, okay, what hobby can I pick up? Yeah. Right. Because just because somebody isn't passionate about their job doesn't mean that you know they don't they don't quote unquote like it. But you know, there's there's a lot of things that you know people are probably more passionate about that don't make money, but you got to feed yourself. Facts. Right. Like you know. I think, yeah, like, it's, a, it's so many different passions, but, you know, people got to, you just got to figure out stuff. Like, I mean, you know, movie stuff. Like, that'll make money, but it's funny. Speaking of movies, <laughs> last time we talked, you invited me and I brought a homegirl of mine to an event that you were getting an award for, for Undelay, your company, your tech company. And so a couple months ago, I want to say it was the beginning of this year, like the end of last year, where I saw you you know, playing around with like a movie and then all of a sudden a couple months later you get an award. So yeah, what was hilarious. that about? That was your hobby, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not, it wasn't a hobby. It so during, during, I've never like, even growing, like growing, I've never thought about so act anything. Like, I've never wanted to do any of that stuff. And then like during COVID, I was like, like I kind of added COVID because like, Atlanta never really shut down really. People were still going out. But yeah. I, I think like during it, I was like, you know, everybody was picking up new hobbies. I started like you know painting again. Like every everybody was learning something, and I was like, you know, maybe I should like make a movie. And I told all my friends, I was texting them. I'm like, I'm like, everybody was saying, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, let's let's make it happen. So I did like maybe three or four scenes, and then people were like, this is hilarious. And then like I felt like I got halfway during the movie, and I got tired. But people kept texting me like, when's the movie coming out? When's the movie coming out? And I'm just like, dang, I gotta actually finish it. So then I, I finished it as a joke, put it on YouTube, and people liked it. But then I was I was wondering, like, you know, like, how do people even market films? And, and they go to film festivals most, and they don't really pay for ads like that, especially for independent films. So I, I submitted to film festivals worldwide, and I started winning awards. And I was like, wow, like, I can't believe it. Like, people, like, around the world are actually watching this and, and liking it. So I got, I got like, a four or five awards on IMDb certified, and... I got like three trophies, well, two trophies and one on the way. And I'm just like, wow, that was crazy. What was the like, okay, so all I remember, I told you this, all I can remember was the one clip that I watched where you like on a parking deck and like, it's like some, either somebody got kidnapped, you're like, mission, this is the mission. And I'm like, what is going on here? So what's the storyline behind your It was movie? literally like, I did like three commercials that have absolutely nothing to do with the movie. Like it was, <laughs> I just made random stuff because the thing is like, people was like, are you talking? But like, I'm not. I'm just like like how we're recording now. Like I just like recorded my voice. Like I got three days until everyone dies. So like like random stuff. Like I would just say stuff like that. I would post it on IG and people like, yo, this is like a spy movie. Or I was like, oh, the helicopter's exploding. And then I just black it out and people thought like it's a helicopter exploding. Some people thought I had a real helicopter. I'm like, no. You really <laughs> manufactured a whole like action movie what in your house just like, yeah well, the desk? that that so <laughs> so like that the scene where. I had uh, the parking lot was uh, it was like yeah my house mm-hmm. but like the other scenes like my friend's house uh, what yeah like a bunch like a bunch of my friend's house like in random places in Atlanta um, like uh, Atlantic some places in Atlantic Station um, yeah it was just like a bunch of places and I just had like my drone and it's I crazy film that. film is tough because like, there's a lot of fake guns in the movie so like <laughs> so we were shooting 
And like we had fake guns out. People were looking at us. I'm like, oh, we gotta leave. They're gonna call the cops. I'm trying to tell you, especially after freaking George Floyd and all. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, we gonna get, we, like, we definitely need a shot. But it's crazy it because been a real action film. It was, yeah, real facts. Like you know, I'm, I'm telling you, like, so only like, yeah, like even when I was in Linux Station, uh, I had like my drone like flying like for like like the rooftop scenes, mm-hmm. um, like a lot of different places. But I filmed like in different times, so. Like, you know, eventually the police were like, hey, look, we can't fly a drone around here. Um, they oh, found they me. Did. Yeah. yeah. They did, it did, it did. But like the last part of the scene where I have my gun, like I had to film that separately because I'm like, if they catch me with a gun, it's over. Because <laughs> <laughs> they already told you. But you still haven't told us, what's the storyline behind oh, the oh, film? Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> All right, so this was, so the, the, the storyline is like, okay, uh, the coronavirus evolves and everybody starts turning into zombies from the COVID. COVID. So it's like people start coughing and then they just like, they just start turning to zombies. So I have like, I'm like a, and then it's crazy because like some of the scenes, like my friends are coming and then I feel like they were just, they were rescheduling. So I was like, dang, I don't think I'm gonna be able to get my friends in some of the scenes. So I, I played their parts. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I, when I tell you, it was hilarious. Like I was calling my friend uh, OJ and he was like, he was like, bro, it's gonna be much better, it's gonna be a much better film if you play those parts. And I'm like, man, like, I'm really going to have to. And then I did it. And I'm just like, this is hilarious. How long did it take you to edit this whole project? And how long is the project? So, I mean, it's about like 53 minutes. Wow. But literally, like, so, uh, you know, editing's like a, a computer to edit is expensive, like thousands of dollars. Mm. So I bought an iMac for $3,500. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had two weeks to refund it. So I bought you the, did I bought the <laughs> I bought the iMac and I was I was editing every day and I was like, whatever is, doesn't make sense is it's it's gonna, just not gonna, it's not gonna get edited. I mean, because it was like, like I'm not a perfectionist, <laughs> so I, I'm like, like, I get the job done and uh, you know, and then by any means, but it's like, look, I'm I'm a realist. Like, if the budget is zero dollars for the post production and I have thirty five hundred for other things, then Hey, like I'm, a, I'm gonna have the, the, you know, of course, like you know, artists, artists will tell you don't rush the editing process, but a businessman will tell you I need my money back. Look. So, so I fear the artist is not really a person. It's more like so I fear the businessman with the hobby. Mm. So, you know, I had to be like, look, I have two weeks to edit, so I had to edit the movie. I had to edit 15 minutes of video and audio in like two weeks. So I had to learn. I learned a lot though, like about color grading, all that stuff. Mm. I never, I didn't even know how to focus a camera until I made that movie. And I like I learned like mid film. Wow! So half the film is like you just like figuring it out. Yeah, I had to learn like film and cutting and editing and sound editing and all those like sound editing features and how to look work the equipment. Yeah. And I filmed the whole thing on my phone. And I'm the not drone. Yeah. <laughs> I was like I was like I'm gonna I'm not gonna buy a camera or I'm gonna film my phone. So yeah, my friends just came out. It was we had a good time though. Like one of my friends, so he used to do miming in high school. And I didn't know how to do zombie makeup. And then even uh, my friend, I was like, can you do makeup? And she was like, you, you don't know how to do uh, zombie makeup. So um, my friend was like, I, I know how to do it, right? But he was like a mime. So how he did makeup, like, it was just like <laughs> white face. <laughs> and then like blood on it. And I'm just like, I was like, bro, this look crazy. <laughs> and then I was like. This made it even more funny, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it was more funny. I had to put up his face on the flyer. And then like. And then my other friend, like, his eyes were burning. He was like, bro, like, because of sweat from, like, running as zombies. It was dripping down his eye. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was like, 
I was like, bro, like, um, I'm sorry. Like, we got to, we got, well, we got to like leave. Like it was, it was crazy. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. It was, it was funny though. And then I had like those huge, like huge guns. I'm like, okay, we gotta hide these guns. Yeah, my other friend, uh, you know, when he had his gun, uh, yeah, we was like running through Atlantic Station. I'm just like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta leave. Mm. Too many people saw that. So, so many people saw us. I'm like, yeah, it's time to go. Yeah, it's, yeah, y'all gonna cause all kind of like red flags. All, all fake, all fake props stuff. That's no, absolutely, no, 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 I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> all fake, disclaimer. All fake props. disclaimer. Disclaimer. So it took you two, two weeks to edit it. How long did it take you to film the whole project? Like four months. Four months. Yeah. And this was all like during Corona, so it was like a bunch of, like more downtime. Where you yeah, know, everybody, like, everybody, more downtime. Everybody's like, this was uh, launched the movie January first this year. Mm -hmm. So four months would be like right before that. So you know, December, mm -hmm. November, October, yeah, October September. September. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you edited it, and then you launched it. Yeah, I edited it two like the two weeks like right before January first, and then like launched it. Okay, and then you you somehow got curious about marketing films, and so you put it you submit it to the film festival. Yeah, cause it picks up, and then it starts getting an award. Did you end up making any money from it? Oh, nah, I, I lost all that. But like, I, so me like between me and my, me and my brother produced the film. I think we spent like thirty five hundred on it completely, okay. both of us. But like, uh, the, I mean, I had some companies reach out to me for certain types of deals, um, but. I mean, I'd rather just keep all the rights to it and have it on YouTube. I'm sure I put a, could have made some money here and there, but I mean, I'd, I'd rather like keep all the rights mm -hmm. than make like chump change. You know, it's kind of like make no money than chump change. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather keep it like it's like like a painting. Like I feel like I have, I'm painting like really huge boards. You do? Yeah, yeah, I have some paintings, but like, I feel like if I sell it, like you know, yeah, I think it's gonna be worth. But like, let's say like I get like. Famous one day, you know, mm -hmm. and then the paintings will be worth a lot more. I'm like, I'd rather just have like a thousand dollar painting than sell it, you know, because well, it's multi like thousand dollar, like four or five thousand dollar painting, and just keep it in my house. Say, so, yeah, that's that's worth a lot of money. Yeah, you know, then like then uh, so I just, I just want it. I want to have what's mine, you know, because that's the that's you can't replicate that. Like, that movie, I can't replicate. Like I can't replicate that. What do they want to do? Like the deals, they wanted to like uh, put it on the big screen. Uh no, they, you know a lot of distribution companies they want to buy like small independent films like lower lower budget mm -hmm. and they lease it out to different um, distribution distribution to, centers like, across the world. And DVDs and stuff yeah, like, like a lot of streaming platforms um, online. A lot of ones you never hear about, but people like watch all the world. Um, mm -hmm. But you know they, what we have talks and conversations, but you know I, I just I in terms of the numbers, I'm like you know mm, I I better just keep it. Because mm -hmm. no, I had to, for the first to sign any deal, I had to take it off YouTube. Mm. So then I'm like, well, if I take it off YouTube and put it on all these platforms, like any platform that's like not Netflix, Amazon, huge platforms, or like Hulu, like well, the movie's too low to watch any of those platforms, but any platforms not like that, the only ones that anyone can see is YouTube. Mm. And if I put it on all those platforms, like yes, like other people can see it everywhere, but one, I can't own it, and two, the people that I know probably 
you know, wouldn't have direct access to it. And that was the thing for me. Like, if I want to show the video to somebody, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to have to navigate. Go through all that red tape and create problems for yourself. Yeah, yeah, because it was, it, was, it was too many legalities. And you know, in contracts, I'm not a lawyer, but of course I read like, you know, contracts, some contracts like 40 pages, 50 pages, and I read it and I'm like, you know what, I don't like the terms. So by the time, if I don't like the terms, from like what I research and what I read, you know, that's like in plain English versus lawyer jargon, mm -hmm. then by the time I send it to a lawyer, he's probably gonna red market even, even more, more. Even more crazy. So I might as well just walk away from the deal. Mm -hmm. How many subscribers do you have on YouTube? I don't even, I don't even check, not, not a lot. Because you know, I think subscribers, you gotta post like stuff all the time. I'm not a YouTuber. I, just, I mean, but if it's okay. on, I'm just, I'm just curious because, uh, you know, if it's on there and, and eventually you get to a thousand, you can end up monetizing through thing. that one video. Like, it depending on how many views you have and all that stuff. So, that's all. That's the reason I asked. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I never, like, I, like, in terms of the YouTube thing, I mean, I know that the, the price is streaming. Because before, like, you know, you could just put a video monetized, I think, because the extremist, extremist thing, they don't have the same type of deal. The guidelines and stuff? You yeah, just have yeah. to have 4,000 um, watch views. And a thousand subscribers. Okay. So if you're anywhere around there, then, then you can get it. I'm, I'm focused on other things, you know. Yeah. That's a cool, that's well, a cool see, thing. And that's the though. thing you say that, right? You say I'm focused on other things. I love whatever. Scrap it. Four months plus two weeks, like on this whole project. That's I'm, like not underlay. I'm on the next project. I'm on the next project. Okay. But I, I mean, then and and I say four months sparingly, like you know, weekends, some nights here and there. But I say that total totality of four months, but it's more like it was more like a side thing. Like you know, people play. Like, some people play video games, mm -hmm. you know. Or some people, you know, do do random stuff. But I mean, I'm playing video games, so I try to like, you know, just have my. It looks like like people say, you know, like, you know, like you know, they, they ask like how am I doing this, that, and the third. But it's like these are fun things to me, mm -hmm. you know. But like in terms of business and making money, I only like to concentrate on underlay. Right, but other stuff, it's like I can, I feel like I can, I slack a little bit on, but it, it appears that I, I'm full time, I put my heart in it, but I really just, like, you know, hearing it, work harder, press, 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 all right, I'm off it, all right, I'm on it, you know, it's kind of, but it, I just make sure I complete it, you know, so it's, it's, it comes off. Interesting. What's your work ethic when it comes to underlay then? Like, oh, a what thousand. What were you doing with underlay at, while, during, you were, during your filming process? Oh, same things. Same things, development. Um, the, during COVID, a lot of things slowed. I wasn't able to go to conferences the same. Um, but really just development, development, working, uh, you know, got a, got a partner probably like this year. Mm -hmm. But a lot of things were slow. Just talking to different customers. But just because of the industry, it, just, it, was, it was tough. Mm. What's, what's, what's the... As a startup, I'm trying to understand the world of like being a startup because you said like the first thing you, you, you your mind went to is like you weren't able to go to conferences. So my mind says, is the productivity like is the way you measure productivity, the more conferences you get to go to, the more exposure your app gets, the like higher your odds increase of you getting picked up by a good investor? Uh, I mean, conferences expose you to customers, right? You need, you need revenue. You gotta focus on revenue startup, and of course, like, I think you know every startup should just focus on revenue, getting with customers, product development, and then you know starting off that way. And then you know to scale a business, a successful business model, then you reach out to investors to scale faster than you know your competitors that are coming for you. You know the ones you see and the ones that you don't. Um, but conferences are a way to get that customer traction, right? So let's say if I was an app like like Facebook or something, and or a social media app. And I wanted to market, um, you know, my application to different people, you know, 
I don't think I, well, I mean, you know, well, even the Twitter went to South by Southwest, you know, that's how they blew up, which is a conference, but I wouldn't necessarily go to like business conferences, you know, I'd, I'd market in different ways on social media, how it was, like how it is now, mm-hmm. you know, how YouTube kind of used MySpace to market in their early stages or like latch on to, you know, viral marketing campaigns or shareability features. But for, for you know, a lot of B2B startups, they focus on conferences to build relationships with people. Got it. And so that's your revenue generating activity. Yeah. yeah the contracts that I've landed um, were through conferences, smaller contracts. Got it. Okay. Okay. I'm understanding. So um, I'm trying to put this into context. So, and remember, I'm, I coach people who are trying to exit their job from their nine to five, right? Mm-hmm. And so as, I, as I'm hearing you, I talk about revenue generating activity and then non-revenue generating activity. So if, I'm, if I want to have a startup, a tech startup that is, and let's say I created, a, let's say I created a, like an Instagram page for Underlay. That would be non-revenue generating activity, right? And then the revenue generating would like be conferences and what else? Uh, I mean, I would say Instagram page would be revenue, revenue generating because it could be a lead generating. Like, Absolutely, I, I, passively. Yeah, like yeah. And even though like I don't, you know, my, uh, like a lot of business customers, I wouldn't say go on Instagram. They're more like LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, even but I still have an IG page, you know. Just because with her, as, as well as Twitter, you know, a lot of people look to Twitter. Mm-hmm. I just make sure IG, Twitter, LinkedIn are all consistent, mm-hmm. you know, because you never know what people go on, Absolutely. right? Um, but I, I would say they all they all serve the same purpose. But I focus my efforts on conference and relationship building. Conference and relationship building. building. Do you have a um, a particular like pitch that you go to like with? So it changed so much because I feel like I know like I started off with the, the winning hackathon for the airport. Then, you know, it was in, you know, Africa, one way for that to, to put back in business to lay another contract to help take flight delays and then, you know, pivot the company again. Because, um, you know, landing smaller contracts, getting like, you know, like to ones or tens of thousands of, of revenue or grants or money, but not like making hundreds of thousands of dollars and, or monthly recurring revenue that was sustainable. Mm-hmm. So, um, did that answer your question or did that go off? It, you, you answered my question. I might have even got lost in, in the response a little bit myself, but um, <laughs> I kind of got lost. I'm like, I'm like, dang, where am I going? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I like pull it back. I was, I was, I'm like, yo, I got it, I got it, and then I'm like, oh, no. Nah, well, you it. were talking about revenue generating activity. Uh, you, you, you focus on business relationships, um, yeah. and you were talking about how um, it, it's different. Like you, you focus on, uh, well, you make sure all your platforms are consistent, and then. Um, LinkedIn being more profitable from a business perspective, but B2B. Yeah, because I think for me, LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter for, for, for us is just, just for sure. Like, I think in terms of conferences, direct sales, direct calls are. I asked you about your pitch. Oh, the pitch. Okay, what did I pitch to different companies? I said, like, a random, random things. Now the pitch would just be my intro saying, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, we're underlay. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Um, you know, what we do is, you know, we analyze radio conversations from over 800 airports worldwide. And then from that, we dissect a different uh, delay calls. So let's say there's a maintenance issue or engine problem or congestion problem or a uh, runway problem that we can determine the timestamp on that uh, mm. with our data processing aggregation methods as well as artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities. Mm-hmm. And that's valuable to your ideal customer because what? Definitely. So this is valuable to airlines because airlines, you know, in terms of, you know, trackers, they want to see, okay, what happened at certain times. You know, uh, we're, we're in talks uh, with Sun Express right now. Just signed uh, NDAs. We'll move Sun Express? Sun Express, a European uh, 
joint venture between Turkish Airlines and Lufthansa. Mm. Um, but, you know, just to really improve their operations and, uh, you know, keep track of what's going on at certain times and integrate our APIs, hopefully, in operation control centers, uh, you know, dashboards by different dispatchers, ground operation managers. Like I've seen I've seen different uh, dashboards of, you know, workers at a different, and I was like American, you know, or uh, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, this was years ago, but yeah, well, just American. Um, the, they had dashboards showing which flights were delayed, but you know why the flights were delayed. You know what propagated that delay. That intelligence exists. Mm. You know, but you want to you know scan for that, analyze it, and that's what we we specialize in. That's mm. how we move forward to you know be a better company in that specific field. Mm-hmm. And, and add value to companies that aren't necessarily utilizing the data to the best of their ability. Exactly. That's for airlines. Like for airports, we want to, you know, analyze runway congestion to make airports operate more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Analyze bird strikes because, you know, airports are, airports are responsible to, you know, get rid of a lot of the birds, like, in different regions, birds. you know. Yeah. Like physical birds? Yeah, physical birds. And when a plane get hits birds, well, I mean, through the airport, like, let's say a plane hits a bird, mm-hmm. right? Like, you want to have different ways to, not, like, kill the birds, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like what? repel, repel, like you know. This okay, so make sure that they're not in the line of sight. With yeah, them. yeah. Like, there's different ways to, you know, repel. Like, you know, have you ever, you ever been to Greyhound Station? They have those, like, those pins. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. to repel different birds, like, cause you don't want them to get hurt, mm-hmm. right? You know, the plane, you know, will kill a lot of them. So it's like we don't want to kill all the birds in the world. So you know, it's just finding out different methods to kind of clear that mm-hmm. to make that better. And also, like runway, runway congestion. Um, you know, just trying to make the sure the operations are more efficient. So those, those on the airport and air traffic control. Um, so, you know, creating those systems to help improve those methods mm. as well as uh, for, you know, travel companies. Just, uh, you know, giving them the data that, you know, a different uh, users like, you know, or different competitors. We have like OAG, Flight Aware, Flight Stats. Um, a lot of those companies are data providers, um, but we specialize in the techs around that data. So adding data to those API suites to a lot of companies or find valuable, you know, any company that use flight data analytics, uh, you know, would need our company as well. Mm, that makes sense. This conversation reminds me of my days working in like in data specifically, but I was more so in like metadata. So like customer search, I mean, customer like travel patterns and things like that. So, and the metadata that's available on like travel, like what segments they flew where and, you know, who flew twice and that kind of stuff. like the way that we were even leveraging that type of data was very limited. So if I can um, if I can imagine the world that you're tapping into in terms of like user using like the functionality of the available data, that's a huge market. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's just, that's how the world is now because there's there's you know there's you know billions and billions of rows of data being generated. Um, however, you know it's just okay. What are we gonna do with it? You know, we know there's data out there. We know people are doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But who's going to, you know, create something that adds, that creates value and adds value to what we're doing and takes that data to have real decisions to save money or make money? And that's mm-hmm. the end. That's the, uh, that's the end goal. Can I ask you a question? How do you... Right, right. right. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You're here for questions. How do you... This might be a dumb question. No such thing. Right. Well, how do you access the data? Did you create your own platform? No, no third-party sources. Third-party resources. Sources the data. Okay. So we're like data aggregator. We're not a data creator. So all the, the other data that we scan is just aggregate. We don't actually create 
that data. So like, I'm not like we're not we're not you know the ones listening on different airports when we can. Right, mm-hmm. we're in discussions to, to do that, but we we aggregate different public data sources. So do you? So you pay you pay for the data, and then you 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 manip not manipulate you manipulate the data to like tell the story and and talk and like help help them understand like where the delays are. Yeah, we we pay for we pay for uh you know cloud services to be able to scan for that data. Scan for the data. You yeah. still have to help me understand. So we so we uh you know our technology costs money. Mm-hmm. So like in terms of like uh, let's say if you build an app. You know, like uh, you might push the app in the app store, right? But it might cost you like, like ten dollars a month to run like different backend services for people to people to be able to log in. Mm-hmm. Or like, let's say uh, let's say you build a website. Like, I don't know you, or, like you know, for podcasts or like, say you have your own branding website and you pay for hosting, yeah. right? That's like a service that you pay for. That's that's on the backend side. So we we have we have like I guess things like that. If I'm explaining yeah, it right, uh, yeah, yeah. If I'm explaining it right. Hopefully, I think that's I think that's a good explanation. Okay, okay. <laughs> think, and it might just be because I don't understand. Because no, even though my I spent my career in data, I'm always on the end. So I've been a data person within a big company who provides the data for me to analyze. Yeah. But if, as an entrepreneur, the only data that I have available is like my social media, any data that that comes through my site, any data that I can capture. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like the the data that's captured from these places. You aggregate the data, right? You're telling me that there's data that's being captured in these other places. Well, we we capture it. So like, let's say people it. are online talking about radio conversations. Like, if you were, if you live near the airport, like you could you could you know listen to radio conversations right now. If you're like you know within I think what, two five mile radius. I'm not sure the exact radius, um, but you, know, you can listen to those conversations. So people broadcast those conversations, broadcast those signals all the time. So we just listen to those conversations. And that's free data. Is that so that free is public data? Got it. And the thing you pay for is the software that allows you to hear the conversations. Yeah, we are the software that allows us to hear conversations. But with we 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 pay well, I mean, we're like you know how like everybody pays for like Google, AWS. Like that's what yeah. I'm trying to say we, we pay. Like we don't like we are the solution, but you know, like everybody hosts different services. Like let's mm-hmm. say it's like for Firebase, you know, not to say that we you know I mean like I'm it's not super proprietary, like everybody uses a little bit of Firebase, but um, let's say like I paid, you know, Google Cloud, like I you know, made ten dollars a month to run some cloud functions. That's interesting. This is a whole nother world. Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to explain it well, because of course, but I think I think uh, does it does it make sense? It does make sense because the way that I envision it's like there's data out there available, and uh, you know, we bring it all together. You bring it all together because it's free data. It's available. But people just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the whole world. Like, like, like in terms of the reason why uh, machine learning, because AI has always been out there, you know, like sensors, robotics, um, you know, for for a minute. Um, but the reason why AI really took it on is because machine learning, all the data is being generated. So, you know, just in terms of the direction of the future, you know, companies that focus in this realm are really taking off because they can see, they understand the industry to where they can see the data points that can connect to solve the business case for this data. Right, so that's why I stay in the LA industry because I just, that's how. Okay. Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank y'all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast, and thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode. 
Makes sense. Right, so it there, connects. There are business people out here trying to like solve problems for their customer, right? So like, yeah. let's say an airline has a customer problem and they're trying to fix the customer problem, but they don't know how to solve the customer problem. For example, delays. Like, I want to make this operation smoother for my customer. I just don't know how. Your company is like, hey, well, there's operations data out there. I've aggregated it. I, I can tell a story about, okay, three of your flights are consistently late because of X, Y, and Z. And now you know what to do in your operations to make the customer happy. Is that the, is that the business proposition behind using your service? So, I, I would say, I would say yes. <laughs> I would say, I, I would say yes. I would say yes. Because, I mean, because the, the thing is that, yes, like, you know, and the, everything's made, uh, everything is made to make the customer happy. Right? Mm -hmm. So, let's say yes. Like, in terms of even what large enterprises do, and they all do, is they, they all look at their data sources and say, okay, you know, as a product manager, they say, okay, how can I use different parts of the website? you know, to, you know, make their customers uh, journey to website more efficient right. or even a plane. And then, you know, just to take that a step further, it's like, you know, they might take like four or five data points, but I might take four or five million, mm -hmm. you know, so because like, you know, if you take four or five data points, mm -hmm. right, then I could say if the customer goes this way, showing this experience, but a customer, you know, searches this in the Google engine, right? show them this part of the website mm -hmm. for SEO. But let's say if a million customers do go through six different experiences in multiple different ways, I could input that in my system and say, well, I'm not like, I'm just like gonna like example, I can't do that mm -hmm. with our company, we don't do that type of, type of stuff. But mm -hmm. let's say if theoretically, like I, I put that in my system, then I create an API that can generate a prediction to where if you're the six million and one customer, I can kind of predict where you'll go for efficiency because I can't hard code that example of this experience because let's say the six experiences could be six million, right? So you can't, you can't, I can't hard code six million different uh, user experiences, ex user experiences or like six different, six million different paths, you know? Mm -hmm. So like for that, it's, it's the scalability of those uh, selections. Uh, yeah. So so that's why a national process is coming in because let's say for every airport around the world, like we can scan 800, but let's say uh, for the airport in Atlanta, you know, you have those, you know, you have Southern accents, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I know they say things a little differently than when they say LAX, right? Yeah. So it's like, I can't hard code their phrases, right? Or, or the ways they say things versus LAX and versus France, you know, versus Germany versus uh, Canada, right? Cause they all have different accents, different, different types of operations. Right, like so, Atlanta Airport operates differently from Wyoming. I flew to Wyoming, and there's like, there's like, like that airport is like a shack, <laughs> like there's like a couple planes in the runway. So I'm sure like one person is pretty much doing everything, mm -hmm. you know, like huge looks like like a shack type because it's cold down there. But you know, Atlanta's hot, so like, you know, and it's huge, so different types of operations. But to use AI, you can put all those decisions in one system, and it can give you a confidence interval instead of hard coding all those possibilities because it's impossible. I get it. I get yes. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, okay, so one, I just posted a post on my page. Um, geniuses, basically, geniuses aren't genius, geniuses because they know about like complex problems. Geniuses are geniuses because they know how to make the, sim they know how to exploit the, the most, sim the simplicities of the world, right? Yeah. 
And so, if I'm in the right track, you're a genius. Because <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate if that. I'm the, if I'm on track. One day I'll be. One day I'll be. No, there's no one day. We're born geniuses. If you're a genius, you're born that way. So, if I'm on the right track, then you have to confirm. If I'm not, then I'm like, ooh, sorry. You okay. I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus. Go ahead. I think, I think you got it. I seen, like, the light bulb yeah, pop like, up. You know, it was, like, right, right. there. Nah, so. So, the data that is out there are the transmissions that are happening between air, uh, pilot and like um, dispatching, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is verbal data. It's verbal data and it's not currently being captured because like, it's just not. It's not being transcribed into like um, concise, not even just concise, um, consolidated uh, experiences, right? Where like you, you catch a phrase and you're saying, how many times is this thing said? Now, when this thing is said, you know, whether it's like bird in a way, like if I hear bird, then I know that this is a bird incident, right? You can create, you can capture data off of like free flowing conversations that are happening between these like platforms. You take the data, you code it, you then, you know, when you said accents, that's when I understood because in Atlanta, they might say bird, bird, like, and then in LA, they might say bird, whatever, like, and so your system is capturing as many instances of like, they're trying to match as many like uh, birds as they can and to create like a data system that now you can tell a story and say, hey, bird delays are actually affecting your operation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. That, exactly, that's it. Cause the thing about you as an end user, right? Like if I feed a data to you as a, a user, you don't care how it was said. You just wanna know the bird strike and the time. Yeah. It's my problem to figure out how it was said, you know, uh, does this saying make sense? What's the pattern? And I have all those problems to figure out, but I had to just give you the output. Mm. So, that's, that's it. That's lit. Mm. Now that I understand your business, because <sighs> it was took me a while. <laughs> no, my brain was working. You as a person. Remember I said before we even started this podcast, like, you are not connected really just as people. I never even like um, too much talk to you about work or how smart you were or any of the stuff that you had going on. Now, uh, one of your business partners was my business partner like on a data function, but you and I never talked about anything regarding data. So it's kind of interesting to hear like your, you from a pro professional perspective because I never... Yeah, we we'll just, we'll just chop it up. Yeah, we would just literally, literally yeah. just chop it up. So I have a question for you because right. when we would chop it up, you were just like matter of fact about like, hey, no, nah, this is just a job. Like this isn't, yeah, this isn't whatever. And I'm curious, you know, I've, I'm, I've heard a lot of your like decisions along like choosing a career that makes money. It just so happened to be a passion of tech, that kind of stuff. What was like your parents, what would you say is like the number one philosophy that you still live by as an adult, adult that was passed on to you or at least planted in you as a seed when you were a child? Work hard. Just work hard. just work hard. Keep working, you know, work hard and then What is the definition of work work hard though? Uh just try your best. I mean it's <laughs> not like, you know, I mean success you know, you never like people have so many different different definitions of success. I mean like, oh you gotta be a millionaire or you you gotta be a billionaire or you know, you know you know, really it's just about, you know, you gotta do you gotta do, you know, really what you wanna do. You know, like I say work hard is just, you know, putting all your time into just to trying to accomplish what you can and like, you know, success or fail or accomplish or not accomplish, at least you could say you spent a lot of your time trying to get the job done. Mm. Um, that's working hard to me. 
Um, really, like, and then for me, like, I've been, I've been doing, you know, different things, like pivoting constantly for a couple of years. I mean, you know, you need know, movie stuff and, you know, even working a job. It's like, I mean, of course, like, people say, you know, you work hard, but it's really just about, you know, just spending most of your time, you know, just go, doing, doing what you're trying to do. Like, you know, a lot of people want to do different things, but they just don't put the time in to do it. And it's really about working a little bit every single day, whether that's reading, whether that's, you know, like, you know, typing, calling, coding, whatever thing you do, but just, just do a little bit every day. That's working, that's working hard to me. Just mm -hmm. keep trekking, like, keep, keep chopping away at it. I got you. Um, what do your parents think about, like, all the things that you do, from films to, like, tech stuff? And then even when you got your, hold on, now that, now that I think about it, what did they say when you left your job with the flight benefits? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's just it's, it's just like a, you know oh it's okay yeah it's a quiet conversation you know that's how and that's how it is like when you uh when you get flight benefits like uh you know all your all your uh, friends think you give them all buddy passes you know all your family is like oh we're going everywhere traveling the world um but you know first of all no not not everybody understands what non revving or standby means. So they think that, you know, you could just fly anywhere anytime, but then I realize you get stuck. Did you get stuck in Vegas a couple of days? I did. <laughs> I told you about that story. <laughs> I'm like, yo, my friend got stuck for days. Man, <laughs> and Vegas is, Vegas is tough. It is. Vegas it's is it's tough easy one. to get in, but it's hard to get out. I've, oh, you know what's crazy? I've been to Vegas, South Africa, mm -hmm. London, like, you know, I'm always on the bottom of the list. But I always get, I always gotten in and out of places. Cause I always take the earliest flight. Mm -hmm. Like I've always taken the earliest flight, but I've, I've navigated that well. But I think, I think like I couldn't do it for too long. I'm like, you know, you get tired. You, that's a lifestyle. That's definitely a, like post-grad lifestyle. That yeah. I think, I think everybody should feel for two years for the benefits, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just tough. This so your, your parents just had to like suck it up. Yeah, and just like, suck it up. I want the best for you. But I'm, I'm sure they, I'm sure you know, sure they got you know tired after a amount of time. You know. Oh, they didn't sure. like it either. No, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they like it's free, but it's you know, it, it's just time. It, at the time, you know, that's when it was, it was like a high capacity. I'm not sure how it is now, but. What you mean? It was high like capacity? in terms of like how the capacity is in terms of if you can get in a plane or not. I don't know how it is it's now. probably even worse now, honestly. I mean, well, now that well, anyway, now that the layoffs and stuff have happened, it might even be a little bit easier. There was a time when um, I was still using my benefits or whatever. My mom actually ended up getting a job when I left because she was like, "I want my flight benefits." So yeah, it was crazy. My mom is a trip, but she's like me. That's so right. she was like, "I don't care. I'm gonna do what I need to do to get it." So that's that's interesting. So you um, are now. You know, putting all the things that you wanted to do like in place. Is there anything that you have not tapped into as a skill set, or do you feel like you've kind of been able to explore your talents at this point? Uh, I think I think I could be a much better painter. I think mm -hmm. that the the brush that I have I've had since I was thirteen. The problem is I took it to the painting store. They said these brushes are no longer manufactured. So I have I've had that, but I need that brush. But the thing is that brush like. I feel like I didn't take care of it as good when I was 13 that yeah, I'll take care of it now. So it's like a little still, so I need to figure out a way to replicate that brush. When I replicate that brush, then I feel like I'll paint more, but it's like my magic brush. You know, I, need, I need that brush. Mm. You do so much. Well, how would you feel if I were to say like, you know, like what, how do you, okay, so conventional wisdom, like if you read certain prof uh, personal development books, the wisdom would say focus on one thing, right? If you mm -hmm. focus on one thing, you can reach your level of success. 
um, more efficiently and um, it's more likely that you'll reach a level of success when you focus on one thing. How do you feel about that type of guidance? Oh, I mean, I'm, everybody does multiple things now. Like, I think that I think that it was a, the, the preconceived notion that, you know, that people want to appear like they, you know, uh, I feel like, well, like the look of like appearing that, okay, you're all in, all in, was only, you can only appear all in if you're only doing one thing. Mm. And that's why I feel like people gravitated to that one thing mindset, but I think that's an older mindset. Like, now you have like a lot, of, you know, people have hobbies, people have things they're doing. Like, the only thing I, in terms of like revenue and things I'm like, making money from underlay, Right, but in terms of like hobbies, like you know, why not learn other things? Like I don't want to spend the next fifteen or twenty years of my life learning only one thing on tech. You know, there's so much other things to enjoy. Right, everybody should pick up like random hobbies. Try painting. You know, even if it doesn't come out the way you want it. You know, try something artistic. You know, try acting like. You know, do as do as much as you can when you got one life. Mm. I think also hearing you, you have, <clears throat> you only have. You have one definitive goal, and that's to get Underlay to be a billion-dollar yeah, billion company. And, yeah, other things that you're doing just ended up being cool. Like, yeah, plus, <laughs> plus and minus, you know, like it would be cool if it would be a famous actor, you know, famous actor be funny. <laughs> I'd be like a funny guy, be like, you know, just appearance in movies and be done, you know, or like, you know, be a huge painter. And like sell up, well, I mean, if I have a million dollar painting, I would just have it valued that, but I'd probably still keep it and just keep it in a vault because it's like so, so prized that like, okay, I gotta like you know store it like in the coast of Iceland or somewhere, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know, or Greenland or something like that, you know, but you know, or Greenland because that's that's the one that's close to us. So I would yeah, store it close to Greenland, or maybe put it in Antarctica or something like that. But I don't know, you know, it's just like. Of course, yeah, I love tech and like that's the main thing. But you know, you, you gotta have like I think you gotta have artistic things, you know, to just you know make you happy. But I, of course, like underlay takes presence over everything. Over everything. You know, so you know I'm not gonna stop underlay for painting a picture. You know, like, I'm, if a customer said they need something done by 12 a.m., I'm not gonna say you know, look, I'm almost <laughs> done with this painting. It's really nice. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's like you your yeah, I got my priorities. But it's like you know, we, we want to spend some time doing other things. Like instead of like you know, I cut TV times. So a lot of people watch you know, probably watch shows like hours, hours. And I try to like limit it, maybe like maybe one hour one day, you know, and then I focus on other things. But now you said a painting doesn't take precedence over underlay. But what if there's like a movie? Nah, okay, <laughs> oh. movie. Yeah, let's go movie. No, but I, I, the thing is. <laughs> If they, if they if they pay me a million dollars, I'm like, well, that's that's my Series A, <laughs> Series A funding. I'm like, I would take that deal, but it's like, I mean, like to get to a point where they pay a million dollars for a movie mm-hmm. is so far. People like these actors are working unpaid Six, for yeah. twenty years, yeah, yeah. and even the like the the people that you see like are twenty five and young or my age, they've been acting since they were kids. You know, like I'm, I've done one thing and it was funny. You know, and if I get famous here, then you know, presumably that's cool. But I'm, my goal, I'm not gonna say write down a goal is make a million off a movie because I understand. And I looked up different people's salaries, how they different movies, and I know they've been acting for a long time. And I'm like, it's, it's not, it's not financially, it's just not 
I'm just not something I'm pursuing. I'm mm-hmm. not interested in. How long would you say you've been doing tech? Like, would you? How long would you give it? Like five to, for, since five years old till now? Like, when did you start working in tech? For real? In tech for, on, for real? I mean, honestly, when I when I graduated, I mean, because I my senior year was supposed to be mechanical. I was supposed to be a mechanical engineer, but I never really used my. I never really been in mechanical engineering. So ever since I graduated and started, you know, working for Delta, that's you've been in tech. I've been in tech. But you weren't. Were you? Were you a tech kid growing up? No, I mean, I would. I wouldn't say tech. I mean, I looked up science. Did, you know, science. You know, everybody does science fair stuff. Yeah. But I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't know what computer science was. So I went to Howard. You didn't know what computer science was until you went to Howard, and you still didn't decide to do computer science. Yeah, but well, yeah, because I, I kind of ventured in. Like, I built apps and websites. Well, so my sophomore year, I started looking at building apps and websites. So I can I guess I, I could say I've been in Texas my sophomore year at Howard. So, sophomore year at Howard. So but I didn't understand tech and all that stuff. Like I mean, because every, I mean everybody does. You know, you you do the Coke, you know, Mentos, Coke, like you yeah, know, explosion. Yeah, you know, of course, that's the you cool know, one. the cool one. You know, stuff like that, science stuff like that, science experience, excavation. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, digging up, you know, like rocks, excavating rocks, like you know, small stuff. But not like you know, computer science, artificial intelligence, engine, like hardcore engineering. I didn't do that stuff until I went to Howard. It's so called. I mean, it costs a lot of money to, uh, well, not computer science, but like you know, mechanical engineering. You need a lot of equipment for that stuff. In like computer science, it was it's more about exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, just I did, and it, I just wasn't. I mean, it was, it was it's a new topic. Well, it's not a new topic, but it's like it's just a it's a growing topic. I would say everybody in the world kind of feel like you know knows about it or knows what it is. But mm-hmm. now. I got you. Hmm. In the world of like you know diversity and inclusion. You're in the tech space, um, and I can only imagine you're like one of a few black people in your space. Would I be right? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the global landscape, yeah, like there's not a lot of minorities in tech. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier you were like, you know, because we we are black people and um, wanting to like represent us from a from a certain perspective. Does being black, does the identity of being black drive? A large part of what you do or is it just like you recognize that you're a black person and that I mean, stops yeah i just recognize it like when people if people walk up to you and be like you know even before all the george floyd stuff like i mean tussle like i'm at i was you know my mom told me about my stuff when i was a kid so i mean people would say you know do this and work hard you'll be here and you know you'll make it up the ladder blah blah, blah and that stuff it just goes right through me because i know that there's certain systems in place to establish racism to make sure i don't go to those points so I know that if I were to go, if I, of course, you know, I have to, you have to strive to be something. You can't just say that the world is against you because you're black. But at the same time, you have to know that, you know, people are lying to you when they tell you about a lot of goals that you can't reach, right? They put up a facade or show symbols of, you know, what, uh, you know, this should happen, but it's not happening. So you have to understand that and really just trust your instinct and different signs to how to get to where you need to go. But, you know, it, it could be unconventional or not usual or, you know, you have to look at it a different way. Like, I mean, after the joyful Black Lives Lives, like Black Lives Matter movement, like, I mean, everything got exposed. So I think the world is like really different from the last first time we met, but it was, a lot of stuff was more hidden. So, I mean, I always, I always saw it, but it's kind of, I just had my, I kind of knew it. And I was like, okay, this is how it is. I just got to figure out my own path. And, you know, of course I'm shoot for it, but you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm, I work my whole life and shoot for it, but, you know, if it didn't happen, I wouldn't, like, you know, cry about it, you know. And I wouldn't even, you know, like, of course, like, even if it was race, I wouldn't blame the race. I will try to just say, okay, I didn't make it happen, right? But I just, I just knew that I know it's going to be harder, right? I think 
They say it takes about 40 pitches to for some people to get investment. You know, if you're black, you know, they probably doubles. Mm, right. How many have you? How many do you have in, well, in the bank? I would say. Well, I mean, I have I have some here and there, but I would say I, I don't I don't I miscount, but a lot of mine have been revenue focused. I haven't had right revenue attraction. Like I I blame like my ability in terms of what I was unable to do. Like, I don't blame your, your skill of my pitching, skill. you mean? Yeah, my no, skill of developing. Of, of developing the, the product. Ad, yeah, oh, okay. develop, developing and developing the company. Like, the company. Yeah, like the, mm -hmm. the business cases and understanding, okay, like how can this make it? Like, cause there are, like before when I first started off, it was a lot of flaws of like, you know, my excuse. Of course I was like, I think like 21. So, I mean, I was just I was just gunning for it, so it was a lot a lot that I didn't understand in terms of you know business and applications and it's so much that I didn't understand. So I had to learn a lot um, about a lot of things, and you know I definitely I blame it on that and not you know race like for me individually. But I know a lot of people that I feel like you know had a lot of great things that didn't get what they needed to do probably because of race. But I won't I won't make that excuse for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um... Even we can even like when it comes to our experiences, I think it's really great that you've taken ownership of the development that it takes for you to actually get to where you want to go, and then even being cognizant of the racial lines and barriers yeah. that you might encounter, which still comes with experience to navigate those situations. So, I think life experience has taught you to learn more about business, yeah. and then life experience is going to teach you how to pitch better, and then life experience is going to teach you how to navigate through like your skin color. So you, you gotta navigate. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just agreeing that you know you definitely gotta you definitely gotta navigate. You have to see the world for what it is, and of course, like there's there's people going through things everywhere. Mm -hmm. like, these problems exist everywhere right, yeah. throughout the world. So I mean, you just gotta address them. Like you can't you gotta you have to fight through it. Like, yeah, you gotta probably fight through it differently than other people, but at the same time, you can't just say, okay, you know, I don't want to do anything in my life because the world is too difficult. Absolutely. You know, but you have to, you have to recognize it's a thing. Yeah. And you, and you have to see where it's very, very, like much harder to do versus, you know, what's possibly easier to do or what you can do. You know, you have to navigate, you have to just navigate the system, read the room, mm -hmm. but just, you know, being that way, you have to, you know, if you want to get to some places quickly, you have to just learn it quickly. Mm. So it's, it's, it's tough. I um I appreciate you joining me on the couch. It's it's been actually you you and I feel like I learned a lot. Thank you. <laughs> so, thank you for inviting me. You know this has been lit. So as we close, um I would like to know you because you do a lot of stuff and I think you do them one just because they're hobbies and you enjoy it. But then I also feel like if you didn't do it, then you wouldn't necessarily be able to see what you're capable of putting out there in the world. So when I ask you this question, it's one to like reflect on your experience but then also to like get perspective or share perspective to someone who needs to get to where you are today so like what's your definition or what what do you what's the meaning of self-actualization to you oh like uh so i mean what it means to me because i mean i never heard i don't think like so so like uh, self-actualization just like yeah like being able to actualize the perth like the the human being that you are yeah. and to allow yourself to grow as whatever you're going to turn into and, and utilize your gifts in whatever way that the the world or whatever's been planted into you is supposed to come to fruition like that's what it means to me but the way you live your life it just screams like purpose like it screams like wanting to become self-actualized in in the way that feels good to you 
Yeah. But would you? How would you explain it? Yeah, I would say it's just a. Uh, I mean, it's just. A, I mean, for me, it's a kind of instinct. But I would say like for instinct. For, like, I just. I mean, like, I'm. I see something. I'm just like, I'll do it. I'm just like, well, why not? You know. But I think for people that like a lot of people that want to do stuff or like you know just sometimes need to find like that fire to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like well, but really, everyone comes to something, but they, they can't find like a reason for it. Um, I don't know, just like f- try to find it. Like I, I don't. I mean, because I, I, mean, I see something, I'm like, you know, do I want to do it or not? And I'm like, let me try. It. Like I, I would say, inch, inch closer to closer. Because I think people see it, they see that they try a little bit and say, okay, I'm not getting to that finish line. But I think for me, I, I inch closer and closer. But I don't like, I don't rush myself. I think that's a huge thing. Like, I just try to do multiple things. Like okay, cool, this is cool, this is cool. But I'm, I'm not. I'm like. Like maybe like you know it looks like I'm always always like pressing myself to get these things done at a certain time, but I'm really like just doing it little by little all the time. So it looks like I'm pressing myself to get all these things like done, but it's it's really just a little by little, you know, constantly just working on it, mm. but not not stressing myself. So I, I think I think people put a lot of too much pressure on themselves by not accomplishing certain things at a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like but a lot of people a lot of people want to build their own app. A lot of people want to code. And then you know they code a little bit and they say I can't do it, and I think that's because they want the app built tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But you know, take it like you know. I think it, it took me a, a year, a year and a half to really push my own app. I'm just learning, googling different things, learning how to code, and I just did a little by little every day. But I think people people rush themselves too much and then quit because they don't see the results too fast. Mm, that's a word. I don't even know you, you you intended to be that deep today. <laughs> yeah, nah, you know, it's cool, you know, it's fine. We ask me anything. That's fine. No, I, I think for you to be um, younger, you um, you definitely have, you know, a hold on being able to just kind of navigate and, and, like you said, follow your instincts. Yeah, follow instincts. instincts can instincts kind of drive me? Or like, you know, of course, like you, you, your intelligence, you, know, you need intelligence to make a lot of you know smart decisions but mm-hmm. end of the day you gotta go with your gut feeling you know you have all the things have all the information in front of you and you're just gonna like all right that that's push what i gotta button. do push the button <laughs> <laughs> that's real i gotta add it another post like about like in, indecision and i was like you know the best way to get over like indecision to make a decision yeah <laughs> <Anything> <laughs> my book just close your eyes because like you said, I believe like once you have a certain level of, of intelligence, you're not like making a crapshoot. You're making three informed decisions. You just don't know which one to choose. So at this point, there's no bad decision. Once you get to a point where you have three good decisions, there's no bad decision. You just have to take your take your step. Yeah, like in terms of my, my process and, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's plus and minuses to it, you know, but a lot of people want, like, I feel like some people that are too perfectionist mm-hmm. and then they say, okay. I can't push the button until I have a lot, a year more information, mm-hmm. right? So they spend years and years and years trying to perfect something when they 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 had just now information they needed to do it, you know, in the first year. Mm-hmm. Or they have some people, you know, that don't do it well enough to where they're like, you know, I'll just quit. Like, you know, they push something like, you know, it's not, it didn't work out, so I don't want to do it at all. But they still want it to happen. So I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, getting that 80 to 90 percent tile and a feeling of okay i think this is good enough and just push it mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to do you know like i don't, I don't think you should be waiting until something is 100 percent perfect or you know or pushing it to where it's like you know 
or or stopping because you know it it only went to like sixty percent. Mm. You know, just try to try to get into that that, that middle range. Mm. Fabulous. Fabulous. The high, higher, higher range, I guess. That, yeah, yeah, range. yeah. Keep pushing to and tweaking until you can get to the 90s. Yeah, all the 90s, you know. Just like if you do something, so you know, like at at, a, at every at every job or every like in real world, like in, in every class assignment. Well, I'll start in college. Like in every class assignment, like you know, of course you want to get a hundred on every essay. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to shoot for that A. Um, you know, of course, like you know, you want to you want to have the highest grades. Um, but in the real world, it's like you know, deadlines constantly change. Um, sometimes you you gotta push something out and it's not the best. You're like, damn, we don't have time, you know. So it's just like you you want to have it the best, but you gotta push things out in a certain amount of time. And you know, sometimes you just sink or swim, and you know you hope you don't sink, but it's just like you gotta you gotta push things out. So you gotta give yourself deadlines and certain things. Like I mean, just like for that editing, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people say you do not rush the editing process, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know what, you're right. If I spent two or three months. You know, editing that film, I think, would have been much greater. Mm-hmm. But then I wouldn't have had $3,500. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and then I needed, I needed a lot of processing power to do it. My computer was crashing all the time. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, and then it was like, you know, I, it was a brand new iMac, and I heard sounds, and it was, like, slow. And I was like, well, I spent 3500 to to do this. Like, you know, I, 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 couldn't, I could only imagine... Um, you know how much more I had to spend to like make it faster, make it like a, have a better laptop due to video processing. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't in a budget, so it's a it's a it's a tough call to make. You know, and that's why I think a lot of CEOs of companies that like grew from like zero to a, a, a thousand, like you know CEOs or like you know Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, even like Calendly, you know uh, mm-hmm. they just reached mm-hmm. a billion valuation. Um, a lot of those CEOs they just have that that vision to what to, what to do at a certain time. You know, nothing is perfect. Like, I'm sure that the first applications weren't perfect, but they just knew how to get those initial doctors, customers, investors at the right time, yeah. you know? So that, that foresight, that Steve Jobs foresight is just something that's just, you know, so incredible. What to do at the right time. That's the hardest thing to do. Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. Mm-hmm. You're doing it to the best of your ability, following your instincts, so let's yeah. we'll see where that leads you. Yeah, facts. Let's do it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the couch. Oh, no problem. Appreciate you for you for having me. Absolutely. It's if been a while. It has been. Look, like y'all got to witness us reconnect after years. Yeah, it's been it's been years. I'm like, oh, it has been because I see you on IG, so I feel like like I see you, but like I'm like, you know, I really haven't really seen you in like a long time. Nah, and you, I feel like you just created an IG like almost a year ago. Yeah, yeah, I definitely did create an IG like that. <laughs> I, I definitely did not have like any social media for a long time, yeah. and then like. Then my friend's like, wow, like you, you like joined Earth. And I'm like, for real. Uh, right. And you just popped in. I was like, okay, well, what up? I kind of um, live in my own world, you know. It's yeah. Well, hey, that's good. And, and for you to be a millennial and do that, that's actually like a rebellious thing for you to do. So Yeah. But, you know, everybody thinks you're crazy now. I'm like, I'm like, if you t- talk to people, you know, they'd be like, you know how Oh, he must be crazy. <laughs> or hiding hey, something. That's, that's exactly what our age thinks. 
Anywho, if there's anybody out here who watched your story, listened to your story, and they want to connect with you, or they want to learn how they can invest or work with you, how can they get connected with you? Definitely feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, feel free to email me at safir.monroe.com. Feel free to reach out to uh, any aviation uh, experts that would love to talk about underlay and see how we could talk to the organization to you know pilot test our project and hopefully you know if they want to check our website and also we just launched uh, the monthly version of our product which is nine ninety nine a month to sell uh, you know data and analytics uh, for different radio transmissions as well as you know we have a, a free version as well so check that out. Contact me and appreciate you guys for tuning in. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, that link to get into his monthly subscription is going to be in the description below, whether you're listening or watching this. So thank y'all again for tuning in. Until next time, peace out.